0: The following is an encore presentation of Radio Parallax. This is Radio Parallax. A slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're pleased to note that returning to the show in our second and third segments today will be author and former prosecutor Vincent Bugliosi, whose current book... The prosecution of George W. Bush for murder is a provocative and serious effort we need to talk about at some length. We will do that later in today's program. Stay tuned for that. We're sure it's going to prove worth your while. Let us commence today's program as we like to do with on this date in history, which in our case today is June 26th. It was on June 26th in 1483 that Richard III usurped the English throne from his 12-year-old nephew, who disappeared after being confined to the Tower of London. His skeleton would, however, be exhumed 200 years later. Richard III's tumultuous two-year rule ended when he was killed in battle with Henry, Earl of Richmond, who became Henry VII. On June 26th in 1541, Francisco Pizarro, the Spanish conquistador who explored and conquered Peru, along the way murdering the Inca King Atahualpa, was killed by his followers after a feud, to which Radio Parallax would like to editorialize, good. It was on June 26th in 1917 that the first troops of the American Expeditionary Force arrived in Europe to aid the allies in ending the carnage of World War I. Although regrettably due to the law of unintended consequences, it produced far more carnage because as it turned out, the first outbreak of what would be later called the Spanish Flu actually began in Kansas and was evidently carried to Europe and then around the world by American troops. And rather astonishingly, the flu killed more people than the war. It was on this date in 1945 that the Charter of the United Nations was signed by representatives of 50 nations meeting in San Francisco. This international federation replaced the League of Nations, which had failed to attain the promise intended in its creation. Of course, the League of Nations was not helped one bit by the fact that uh, conservative Republican senators blocked U.S. entry into the League. And finally, it was on June 26th in 1963 that U.S. President John F. Kennedy electrified Europeans when he stood before the Berlin Wall and announced Ich bin ein Berliner, suggesting that all people must become engaged in ending the political division of the German people that persisted since World War II. A couple of decades later, Ronald Reagan stood before the uh, Berlin Wall and asked Mr. Gorbachev to please tear it down. To his credit, Mr. Gorbachev did. All right, and though we don't have time to talk about his uh, sad passing uh, much on today's program, we want to dedicate our quote, our quip, and our joke of the day today to the late, great George Carlin. Our quote from George would be, when someone's impatient and says, I haven't got all day, I always wonder, how can that be? How can you not have all day? Our quip would be as follows, guess the white guy. Odell, Tyrone, Tremaine, and Sparky. Along, of course, with Part B. Guess the black girl. Kathy, Joan, Peggy, and Vondella. And continuing along in that vein, this is one of my favorites from George Carlin. Being Irish, I guess I should resent the Notre Dame nickname, the Fighting Irish. After all, how long do you think nicknames like the bargaining Jews or the murdering Italians would last? Only the iconic Irish could be so naively honest. I got the feeling that Notre Dame came real close to naming itself those frickin' drunken, thick-skulled, brawling, short-peckered Irish. And you can bet on next week's program we'll have more to say about the late, great George Carlin. Our statistic of the day... According to Time magazine, to improve its chances of winning Olympic medals, China runs 3,000 special academies where 400,000 young runners, weightlifters, swimmers, and other athletes are rigorously screened and trained for hours every day. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for The Devil You Know, after a Romanian village re-elected Mayor Nikolai Ivasco, even though he died shortly before the election. Ivasco had been mayor for nearly 20 years. I know he died, but I don't want change, said one voter. It was conversely a bad week for immigration reform, After New York Congressman Anthony Weiner introduced a bill that would set aside 1,000 highly skilled worker visas for international fashion models. Weiner, who is single, said he hoped to give a boost to the garment industry. And finally, it was an ugly week uh, last week for tightening up on credit after a six-year-old, Bennett Christensen of Illinois, was approved for a credit card with a $600 limit. The boy had accurately filled in an application listing his birth date as 2002 and his income as $0. And here's an item from the oddball file I can't resist. Apparently when the Englishman John Weber's grandfather, who was a scrap dealer, gave him an old 5-inch tall metal cup back in 1945, Mr. Weber assumed it was made of brass and put it in a shoebox under his bed. When he moved last year, he decided to have it appraised by the British Museum. It turned out to be a Persian antiquity from the 3rd or 4th century BC beaten out of a single sheet of gold and decorated with two female faces looking in opposite directions. The piece will be auctioned this week and is expected to fetch nearly one million dollars. Said Weber, heaven knows where he got this. And uh, closer to home, I don't know if you noticed the uh, article in the Sacramento Bee about how um, uh, there seems to be quite a mess over the installation of water meters. Uh, Somewhat uniquely, Sacramento, being at the confluence of the American and Sacramento Rivers, has been grandfathered into a situation where it did not have water meters until recently. So far, it appears that uh, after buying 32,000 meters, the city has lost 4,500 of them. It was noted in the B that some of them may have been sold off as salvage. Now, some folks out there think that putting water meters in is a really good idea to conserve water, because what it means is people will use less water because they have to pay more for it, and thus there'll be more water left in the reservoirs, which, of course, can then be sent south and transferred to the hands of real estate developers in the greater Los Angeles area, who can then build more homes with the extra water. And amazingly, it's Friends of the River, that have pushed for this, uh, this uh, rather dumbbell uh, measure. Uh, maybe Friends of the River ought to rename themselves Friends of the Angelino Developers. Actually, Friends of the River's done a lot of good things here in Sacramento, and so it makes it extra disappointing uh, that they have backed such a boneheaded move uh, here in Northern California. And how about this item from Zimbabwe? After increased a pre-election violence where members of the opposition party were being uh, openly murdered, uh, Morgan Springeri, the opposition leader, decided to withdraw from the runoff election. Robert Mugabe has decided that continuing along and holding the election without an opponent, why, wow, that's just, a, that's a great idea. And just in case anyone thinks about voting for the opposition leadership, he has warned people that they're going to know who cast ballots against him. Officials are telling people in Zimbabwe that a ballot number will allow the ruling party to identify who has voted for the opposition. It's been noted that of late, any time an opposition leader uh, gave a speech, the ruling party uh, had their various youth uh, singing and dancing nearby, shouting, we will kill, we will kill. Since they already have killed, uh, well, let's just say the political climate is not looking so good in that Southern African nation. Zimbabwe is a rather a wonderful state, uh, a wonderful place to visit, and a nation with great potential. We're going to continue to follow this story. Turns out that Zimbabwe's uh, two biggest trading partners, South Africa and China, are uh, kind of refusing to uh, put the screws to Robert Mugabe. You may have noticed in this program we've never had eh, too many good things to say about uh, Marxists. And I guess that's because in this correspondent's opinion, uh, you mix up Marxism and political leadership and you get Robert Mugabe's. And uh, Israel is making a lot of noise about how it's going to launch an attack on Iran's nuclear sites. There's a lot of arch conservatives in Israel and here in America that think that's a great idea, especially if the U.S. uh, goes to pull out uh, Israel's uh, chestnuts from the fire in case they do uh, start a little conflagration over there. I'd like to see the U.S. State Department uh, announce that, uh, you know, if Israel starts something over there, they can finish it on their own. Speaking of support of Israel, you may note that uh, one of Israel's great supporters in the U.S. Senate, Joe Lieberman of Connecticut Independent, uh, senator from Connecticut, is vexing a lot of people in the Democratic Party because after they turned their back on him in the primary and he won anyway, he holds uh, the balance of power since he decides to caucus with the Democrats according to the arcane rules of the Senate. that gives them uh, the chairmanship of all of the various committees. Unfortunately, Joe Lieberman, uh, because he is a uh, you know a supporter of Israel no matter what, and is a supporter of the Iraqi war, no matter what, has decided that uh, Barack Obama is just a little bit too uh, liberal for his tastes, and he's now endorsing uh, John McCain, leading to speculation that McCain might pick Lieberman as his running mate. Time will tell. And I don't know if you noticed last Thursday, the perp walk of various uh, Wall Street weasels being uh, marched out of Bear Stearns and taken into custody by federal agents. Uh, Well, that was kind of a good moment. As time goes on, it, clears the, it seems clear that a lot of weasels were driving this crazy overheated housing market in the U.S. for the, for the past few years because, well, that, that's been about the only thing that's been driving the U.S. economy. Of course, a few years back, the only thing driving the Albanian economy was uh, a set of pyramid schemes. And, you know, I wonder how different we are. Uh, now that it seems clear that uh, that a lot of these uh, these schemes were basically houses of cards, everybody wants a piece of the, uh, the punitive action. Uh, they're going after uh, Countrywide, apparently the nation's largest purveyor of these subprime mortgages. Jerry Brown's going after him here in California. The feds are going after him. What a mess, eh? And we probably ought to give a round of applause to Scott McClellan, who testified before the House Judiciary Committee last week to decry an insular and secretive White House that he said lied about the leaking of a CIA officer's name and overstated intelligence in the rush to war in Iraq. Said McClellan, The continuing cloud of suspicion over the White House is not something I can remove because I only know one part of the story. Referring to the felonious outing of Valerie Plame, a CIA operative who worked on weapons of mass destruction, In retribution for her husband, Joe Wilson, explaining to the world that George Bush lied in his State of the Union address, McClellan said, Only those who know the underlying truth can bring this to an end. Sadly, they remain silent. And although the coverage of this did not specify who they were, Mr. McClellan was referring to George Bush, Dick Cheney, Karl Rove, and Andrew Card. Scott McClellan may be one rat off a sinking ship, but he's a rat who's now decided to tell the truth. Not to imply, of course, that uh, the Bush administration is completely uh, a devoid of ideas in its last half year in office. Not at all. They hope to fix America by ending the ban on offshore oil drilling. And uh, by the way, John McCain thinks that's a great idea. Uh, Bush and McCain have both implied this would be a pretty quick quick fix to our current oil woes, although uh, 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 saner heads seem to indicate that it'd be about 2030 before oil from offshore sources would really kick in. And speaking of uh, not necessarily such a rosy future, we have this from the, from the Science Digest of the Chronicle. The world's population will reach 7 billion million in 2012, even as the global community struggles to satisfy its appetite for natural resources, according to a new government projection. Currently, there are 6.7 billion people in the world. The U.S. is the third most populous nation on Earth, with 304 million people, ranking behind only China and India. Somewhat terrifyingly, uh, the world's population, this survey pointed out, surpassed 6 billion in 1999, meaning it's going to take only 13 years to add a billion people. To put this in perspective, you should realize that the earth had only 1 billion people until 1800. So that's right, we've added the entire world population of the time of Thomas Jefferson's presidency in 13 years. Back in the 1970s, some people thought this was kind of a problem and was going to be a problem. They predicted there'd be famine, there'd be resource wars, there'd be shortages everywhere. And uh, these people were decried as being foolish and pessimistic. Starting with the first uh, Reagan term of office, the official U.S. government policy on overpopulation in the world was, we don't see this as a problem. Our position on this show is that it may be the world's number one problem. And uh, let's see if we can close our segment with a little bit of an up note. Uh, I was very encouraged by the Sacramento Bee, page one, yesterday, showing a picture of some people growing turnips in an urban area in Sacramento. The article was about a group called Soil Born Farms, which is setting out to grow tomatoes, kale, chard, and other vegetables on 25 acres leased from Sacramento County. This group hopes to sprinkle urban farms throughout Sacramento neighborhoods to provide affordable, healthy food for people right where they live. We uh, talked to author Michael Pollan about the, this very subject uh, last year, trying to uh, eat your view, as they say in Europe, uh, retaining um, uh, the land in a state of uh, cultivation in urban areas. Uh, it's an idea that's, that's so good, it's, it's hard to imagine that we ever got away from it. Some of it, of course, has to do with zoning laws, and a lot of it has to do with greedy developers. And this will not be the last time we talk about that on this program. Let's take a short break and come back and speak with Vincent Bugliosi.